So uh, meditation is a directed activity that has right intent, right effort. Um, begins with uh, vitaka vichara or directed thought evaluation. So it's the faculty of the verbal faculty, the articulation faculty. So this is the one that's most um, pliable, unlike uh, emotions which we can't always shift. We have to wait for them to subside, or the bodily formation which is uh, subject to energy and nature and health and so forth. The articulation or verbal faculty is something one can almost immediately change. It doesn't, the problem is it doesn't necessarily go very far, you know, where we can think a thought and so what. So it's a developing of this is often a, a process of not so much thinking a tremendous amount of thoughts or complex thoughts to derive information, but thinking very simple thought which is more like using a thought as a, as a pointer, as an arrow, just to name something. So that for that moment, one's, um, one's power of attention goes to that particular object. And then, this is vitaka, and then vichara is the sense of spreading over that and taking it in. You know, what's this, what is this, what, uh, what is this like? Uh, and then we might very well come up with a, Particular, another thought. No, it's this. That's vitaka again. So, so these two work together. This is happening all the time, but normally it's happening very rapidly. And the faster it goes, often the the, the less vichara there is, less evaluation. So you can have just a kind of load of thoughts going on that you don't don't actually mean anything really. Don't resonate with anything. They're not evaluated. They're just almost compulsive. Thinking, not directed. It's it's well, if it is directed, it's directed by um, not by mindfulness, but directed or right effort. Directed by compulsion or agitation or urgency or something like that, greed. So it's not. This is always a skillful process, but in meditation, you the right effort and right intent to make this something skillful. It's not a tremendously complex uh, um, thinking mm, process. It's just it's like naming or acknowledging or recognizing. Oh, it's that. And then, well, how is that? So sometimes the vichara can take a while to develop because we may very well have um, so got used to just uh, rapid Vitaka, rapid thought conception that we haven't really evaluated much at all. Um, so, as I was saying yesterday, when the problems of the loss of bodily presence, when we lose ground, we lose that sense of some, some um, cohesive sense of groundedness, that we then start to establish our ground upon thought or moods 
And the only way you can know you can become a ground is to become continual. And the only continual thing, the thought is not a continual thing. So you have to, it's a momentary thing. So what happens is with that loss of ground, the thought process speeds up and up and up till it becomes almost continual. You know, it's and in that there's very little vichara because the aim is not to evaluate anything. The aim is just to keep talking, to have something there to feel one is connected to. There's not some abyss or void. So then the vichara function tends to become irrelevant because you actually don't really want to know what anything is. You just want to keep keep going. And this is, of course, this is not voluntary. Not one, one, something one does. It's something that occurs. It's like the mind is in a state of uh, panic, loss of presence, anxiety. So, you know, evaluation mm, may not be that strong, maybe something that's become irrelevant. So, you know, to kind of almost keep the vitaka up as a sort of like a question that really what does it feel like what is it like what is it not like Hmm. so if we're applying this to the breath for example what is it like what is it like is it like hard or soft is it like um, sharp Smooth? Is it like hot, cold? Is it like fire, water? Like smoke, mist? Mm. What is the body like? Is it like lumps of rock stuck together? Is it like a bag of jelly? Is it like a kind of a thing with pins and needles stuck in it? Is it like a fire? Or is it a mixture of all of these things? like a continual turning wheel of different qualities properties so vichari dip into the uh, um, perception aggregate this is the realm of chitta So in this way, we do reconnect the uh, speaking and thinking process to the heart process, because perception is a matter of heart or chitta. So when I use the word heart, it's a little bit, you know, um, off the shelf, as it were, effective awareness. Because it's not purely emotional, it's emotive. In other words, it, it resonates, but it's not just moods. It's also uh, perceptions and impulses. Perceptions are the sense of when something you get something, you feel something enter you. You, know, you don't know what something is, and it's just out there, and you blank. You feel a sense of, uh, and then, ah, and you get that kind of little flush of cognition. That's that's an example of, of how perception is experienced. When you get it, and it suddenly it, it comes inside you, you feel you mean it means something. 
And then whenever you see that thing again, it touches back into that, oh, oh, it's that. It's called knowing it. That's uh, when the perception is established. This is a matter of citta. <clears throat> so, um, you know, with, so with vichara, you you come, you connect back into this resource of the citta where things really mean something. So, of course, that's very helpful for uh, collectedness, samadhi, because you you're starting to stick back together things that are torn apart, and you're coming into something which if it's there for you you feel you've got it so you're not running off you've got it, it's that yeah. so this is the feature of samadhi it's a sense of stability now because <clears throat> perception is a normal function of citta happening all the time we see someone recognize them so that if they look different the next day you recognize that because you've got a, a blueprint, an impression in the chitta. Oh, she doesn't look so well today. Oh, he's looking old. Hmm? Because you've already got something there that you that, that new impression is measured against. So perception is stored. And uh, perception for the ordinary person is is biased by what we favour or, or or how we're affected. If we if it's uh, pleasant or agreeable or comfortable or disagreeable, if it's threatening or menacing or intimidating, if it's arousing, uh, you know, lust arousing, passion arousing. So, so you know, you get these things based in the mind, in which you, you know, you, you see things with these tints. So when you see, um, you know, a snake or something like that, you might see it with a sense of a threatening creature, or you know, a spider or a slug, a revolting, ugly, nasty creature, and you see it like that, and then based upon that perception, people feel they can kill it. You know, <laughs> because it is that way. Actually, these creatures very rarely do any harm, much less harm than humans do anyway. Or as you might consider a bear to be quite a cuddly, fluffy creature because you've seen koala bears and yogi bear and pooh bear. But actually, they're much more dangerous than spiders or, or serpents, which generally run away. Bears are quite a dangerous creature. If Eugene, you, you've been to a zoo and you have these tame elephants, you feed buns to them and ride on their backs, you think elephants are really nice, faithful old jumbos, but actually in the wild they're extremely dangerous creatures. But, so, you know, this example how uh, our perceptions get learned and then registered, you know, and they're tinted. So every time you see an example, the bear, you see lovely, cuddly, fluffy, friendly creature, you know, which it may be sometimes, but probably rarely is, actually.
So essentially perception is that which tints, colors things. It's not about seeing things as they are. It's about seeing things as we've learnt to relate to them or we've been shown them. We've been shown them in this particular way. Therefore, we see it in that particular way. So, of course, um, <clears throat> one of the standards of meditation is to uh, see, review the body instead of as something that's well-built or glamorous or a source of uh, attraction or uh, pleasure. And seeing it as bones and meat, sinews, hair, teeth and so on. So you develop this particular sanya in order to displace another sanya, to displace a tint. The idea being that when you, it's like pushing one thing out with another and then, you know, when you've pushed something out then you can let go of the tool that you pushed out and you just see it as it is. Just seeing it as this is really, you know, nothing. You know, it's just, (laughs) you see it with clarity, you know. The perceptions are, are allayed. So we have perceptions that may be laced with greed or laced with aversion or laced with delusion. So training oneself to uh, review and contemplate things um, in order to remove these taints or to push them aside. Contemplating food as raw material for the feeding the body, something that by itself only becomes useful when it is broken down into something rather unattractive to the eye. You see the food on the plate, it's all nicely dished up. It's not doing you much good there. It only becomes useful when it's turned into a kind of inconglomerate, a conglomerate mass mixed up with spittle and bile then it becomes useful. So its real foodiness is a kind of rather a mass that's not particularly attractive to the eye. In fact, rather, the eye might find it repellent, repugnant. So you see, what what is this stuff called food? Is it that which the eye sees? Is it that which the mouth chews? Is it that which the stomach digests? Which is the, which is the right kind? Yeah, and you see that really... None of these, or all of them. Mm. Is it the energy? The real heart of it is the energy that it provides with. Where's that? In a banana or a piece of cheesecake. So you just really try to, you know, contemplate things as in their suchness. You see that no, none of the labels really fit. Perceptions don't fit. But they do attract and and govern attention. They do stimulate the particular mood or volition of the mind. Mm. So 
essentially in uh, we can use this um, in order to bring around uh, an attractive and pleasant quality to the meditation object of the body mm, internally so not the external sensual appearance but the internal tactile um, thing that we're having in ourselves in our own body so this is very standard you know for for meditation how do we bring the body so our experience of the body is something that feels attractive attention wants to rest in wants to be with then that will very much help us develop or help the samadhi factor to come around acknowledging that essentially this is all just uh, um, playing with things for a purpose to uh, facilitate the function of samadhi and also to eliminate the vipaka or the resultant results of uh, distorted perceptions and the way that those distorted perceptions can make us blind or insensitive or um, stuck And the experience of, the, of meditating in the body can be one where uh, one does come into stuck, stuck states, states of where the energy goes flat, or you feel constricted or held, you feel tense and tight, you feel numb, you lose the body, or the body seems to become, um, um, you know, something that that, that dulls attention. One practice that I recommend using as a as a as a uh, simple basic exercise, whether you, how much you develop it is up to your own <coughs> tastes and inclinations, but is in this uh, the developing the recollection of the elements. There are different levels at which vitaka vichara can operate. One of them is recollection, which is very much a conscious thinking almost in abstract right? well you know this body is made of solid matter earth earth element there's blood and fluids there's water element there's the air going in under the body the air element there's um, caloricity it's the warmth the fire the cold of it the absence or presence of that so you can just recollect this and you look around you see well all bodies are really very much of this nature and so, in this way, it helps to remind us that the body is, you know, is not something that's separate from the rest of creation as mine, but actually compounded out of simple natural elements, ele- elements using it in a very kind of um, broad sense, not in the sense of modern chemistry, but just like the rain on the window or the earth outside. This body is made in a similar compounded way. It doesn't belong to me. And so I can recollect like that. And take it deeper, 
into um, more um, where the <coughs> where we're uh, moving on towards samadhi, then it's, it's much more a matter not of recollecting these things, but actually directly apprehending them in the in the presence of one's own body, as one's sitting or standing or walking, feeling the sense of solidity, that which resists, that which holds and resists in the bodily sense. This is called this earth. So when you sense that, say the pressure of the body on the ground, it's not actually pushing, it's just it's rest pressure. It's the pressure of rest or resistance. Um, imagine this to be rather like earth or wood or stone or rock, something that's very firm. Develop the posture so the, the sitting, the upright sitting becomes like that. You can feel the spine, the spinal axis becoming firm, firming up, stabilizing. So imagine, you might find yourself just even imagining, say it was a lot, that you were a lot heavier, really resting into the ground and connected, rooting into the ground. Uh, In standing, for example, this is very useful. So it helps to um, get one's energy to, to, to drop, if you like. We're often up in the upper body and the head and just letting all that come down into the ground. Because where your attention goes, then your, your energy goes. So if you turn your, your attention to the earth element and connecting it to the ground, it tends to um, counterbalance the way that thought and um, urgency and nervousness and other such forces of stress affect us, which is to drive energy upwards. So you, you feel your shoulders rise or your, your, your face tightens up, everything moves up, moving down the earth. Earth is resistance, pressure. So when you feel energies, even thoughts or moods of subtle energies that seem to be uh, blowing every which way, restless, pushing, flowing, formless, dissolving, collapsing, and it feels distressful, go to the earth element. When you feel things are invading you or, um, you know, stabbing into you, go to the earth element. The air element is another kind of pressure. It's the pressure that, that it's applied pressure rather than resistance pressure. It's the pressure of something that swells. So obviously we can detect this most clearly in the chest and when that swells as you breathe in and breathe out. So it's a pressure that, that applies or pushes, swelling, distending, subsiding, it's the movement 
and we experience movement as a kind of inclination or a pressure or a inclining one way or another. Mm-hmm. So when you feel too rigid and stuck, counterbalancing that with the, the air, feeling the movement of the body, the way it opens into space, where the body can expand and subside, allowing that sense to be present wherever you feel locked. You might feel it, for example, in your neck or your jaw or your throat. Just imagining this cushion of air in your chest can actually almost push upwards and lift right up through the head. So you're letting the air element extend the cramping in the bodily sense, breathing out through the joints, breathing out, opening up the sockets of the arms so the arms are not pinned and tight, breathing in through the head, opening the head. So this is much not so much a matter of physical air, but a particular property of the this ability to to swell, to move, to distend and subside. The water element, the cohesive flowing. Obviously this is things like the fluid fluids, this is not so easy to detect the actual wetness in the body, but you can detect um, suppleness, that which gives things their shape. So when you move along, there's a sense of the suppleness of the body. The way things flow together, you might even detect the, the sense of um, how the, the uh, breath flows, this rhythmic pattern to it. It descends and it turns round and it ascends and it dis- descends and it, it's got this supple, so the body's tissues feel quite supple. The fire element is heat. It's also the, the adhesive. So whereas water is cohesive, it, it um, binds, holds things together internally. The fire element latches on to other things. Mm. So you can the warmth is experienced in terms of the, the body tissues or the blood, heat. Um, Obviously, physical fire is always attached to wood or paper. Even fire in its purified form of light is only seen when it strikes or attaches itself to an object. See, sunlight passing, moving out from the sun, only becomes apparent when it hits a a planet or a moon. Then it shines. Mm. Fire adheres. 
this is so uh, this is the understanding it's it's um particularly that lovely analogy of the mind like fire unbound where how can you where is the light when it doesn't strike anything or the the analogy of the sun rays striking a wall and then removing the wall and the buddha saying well now where does the sun alight where is that light what does it adhere to and this is, it adheres to nothing this is the simile of the mind, the brightness that, that finds no object, the released mind. Mm. So, but for, in conventional sense, the fire always sticks to something. So it does help you to recognize you know, where your energy is. And when you need to move energy, then you have to bring the, the, that fire, that warmth, into other parts of the body, into the centre of the chest, for example. You feel you may feel warmth, heat in the belly, or the lower body. Bringing that up, into the upper body, down the arms. You may feel energy in the centre of the head, forehead, breathing that, drawing it in and breathing it down through the body. So you have light, is the purifying form of fire, and, f- and heat is the <coughs> more coarser aspects of it. And it's blending these together through the body. So just, you know, with these exercises, you det- may detect something having a certain physical or um, percept- perceptual experience. Like, does this feel dark or not? No, it feels there's a degree of light there. Is this stone cold? Is your body completely frozen or not? No, it's not. That means there is, the fire element is there. It may not be blazing hot, but as you attend to it, pick it up. And then, is it more here or more there? Contemplate the fire, warmth, energy, and with attention, just spreading that through the body, evening it. This is a way in which we exercise Vitakavichara, simple word like earth, but then really evaluating and deepening and imprinting that in order to to drive out other perceptions that we may not be even consciously recollecting that assume perceptions mm. residual tones and senses about the body feeling that there's weight on the back when actually there isn't or there needn't be mm. feeling as a hole in the abdomen 
void and needs to be filled. So we check out how the body is sensed in this way. And using this process, Vitaka Vichara, just imagining, so if you can't detect any any warmth or any fire, just imagine what it would be like if it were there, if you were sitting in sunlight or with your back to the fire or warming your hands. So you evoke it, summon it, call it. So in the, uh, this is a way of, of a form of healing, you might say. As many of the <coughs> disorders which may come through the body or the mind um, become expressed in certain ways. We even use language to define that. feeling burning up with some emotion or another, feeling frozen, chilled out, feeling fully grounded or not grounded, blowing every which way, or life being a breeze. You, know, you get these senses of the positive and negative aspects of these, these elements. When we do this uh, consciously, we begin to recognize um, what is done unconsciously. We may feel that for many years we've experienced our body as a, a bag of jelly or a lump of rock, or big lumps of rock in your shoulders, or a lump of rock on top of your neck, or a big hole in your in your chest with nothing in it or freezing cold you didn't realise that because not something you decided to do is it just we park a comer um, well that's yeah that's funny I, I didn't realise I've been imagining my, my body in this way in an unconscious way so when it feels 
um, afflict it, the mind finds it difficult to rest in it. So our aim in this is purely to clear out the block blockages and the afflictions till we find that the body seems balanced, has ground, has space, you can rest in it, allows, is warm, and then the mind will tend to dip in there. And this is where you begin to experience the uh, piti, sukha, rapture and ease. For practicing like this with the any posture of the body or with, even with the breathing, contemplating the breathing in this way. The steadiness, the earthing as you get to the end of the breath, firming up, the flowing, the swelling, the subtle forms of light that move along with the breath on the energy channels. So you can contemplate the breathing like this as a skillful means. Just recognizing that, um, like any other skillful means, it's, it is an illusion. Um, so that the aim, in fact, is to eventually, within this world of elements, to be in them and not be perceiving any of them. But be in touch with basic clarity beyond perception.